Marshall slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back, Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up Dodonov, Knights 5, Blackhawks 4! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. The minimum number of games is what happened to the Western Conference Final as the Colorado Avalanche dispatched the Edmonton Oilers in four. We know the East will go at least five between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. We also have one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League coming up as we bring you into our number two of the VGK Insider Show. Thanks to Zach Whitecloud for stopping by in our number one. He's back from the World Championship where he won a silver medal playing for Team Canada, the national program, for the first time in his career. Fascinating conversation, which actually took us on a side path down the road of saunas and then into golf. Uh, so that was uh, fun. It was an off-season conversation that uh, you love to uh, tune into the VGK Insider Show because you never know what you're truly going to get. A little bit of news and a whole lot of fun. Uh, Ashley Watkins uh, joined us from SamAndAshLaw.com uh, with the Legal Minute uh, as well. But uh, as we get set for Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Final, the pressure, funny enough, from all kinds of reporting coming out of this series appears to be on the New York Rangers. What's funny about that is the New York Rangers lead the series 2-1. It's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you buy into the fact that the Rangers are under the gun? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to admit that this is... And I, like, I don't even want to call it a must-win game for the Rangers, but I, I just feel like your You've best hinted opportunity... At it. Your best opportunity to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning is to give yourself as many opportunities to eliminate them as possible. Like, for me, the Rangers have to halt any momentum that Tampa Bay got from their late heroic Game 3 victory. They've got to take a 3-1 series lead, and they've got to have two cracks at putting them away, at least two cracks putting them away on home ice. They have to. What have you heard about Braden Point's status? Because there's a lot of speculation that the Tampa Bay Lightning star forward could play tonight. Uh, you know, I'm I'm actually looking to see if Braden Point is in the uh, is on the roster for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not seeing him okay. as available for this game, so it does not look like Braden Point is in for. Tampa Bay and Ryan Strom is also out for the New York Rangers. Wow, that's a surprise because we all thought Strom was going to be back uh, for sure. That was uh, more of a, a sure thing uh, for the New York Rangers. Uh, and Braden Point, who skated like six of the last seven days, uh, not uh, not in the lineup. So a couple of uh, decisions there when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. Uh, there's uh, a, a couple of uh, little ways to look at this series one that the tampa bay lightning has has the new york rangers right where they want them uh because uh they're coming they won the game they they got some confidence and the other part is andre vasilevsky was really good 
in Game 3 to win his first game of the Eastern Conference Final. Here's a little bit on Andre Vasilevsky going against Igor Shesterkin, who's been lights out for the New York Rangers. Uh, Vasilevsky uh, had his 50th playoff win in Game 3. 50th playoff win with a 900 save percentage or higher. And he becomes just the 14th player and second active player to accomplish that. The other is Marc-Andre Fleury. But uh, Mm -hmm. just the second active player. He's one of only two players to achieve this in less than 100 playoff games. The other one? Ken Dryden, who is pretty good. The Cornell grad. So that that's what Vasilevsky. Uh, incidentally, they're uh, they're both big guys and and changed uh, the position in a lot of ways. Uh, back uh, with Ken Dryden, number twenty nine with the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, now uh, number eighty eight. Uh, there's a big difference too. Nobody would have thought uh, to wear number eighty eight as a goaltender uh, back then. In fact, in two thousand fifteen, we we thought it was uh, weird. But Vasilevsky is is breaking some some new ground, and if he f- is feeling it, if he's feeling comfortable and has uh, shed whatever the people were talking about with the blocker, boy, uh, that's good. But the other part, Steve Stamkos has been so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Stamkos has been everything that they've needed him to be. He's been all over the ice. He's been making plays. He, he He's the leader through and through of this team. I, I mean, game three, you can't really talk about the, the Tampa Bay Lightning without talking about Nikita Kucherov, who is absolutely phenomenal. You are right, Darren. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky was really good in Game 3. Um, I think that he's gotten better every single game that he's played in the series. I know you and I disagree with Game 1 on our takes on Andre Vasilevsky. I thought he was even shaky a little bit in Game number 2. Uh, but Game 3, it looks like Andre Vasilevsky is back to his original, normal, expected form, and that's going to be really tough for the Rangers to break. Uh, Rangers uh, are able to score some goals. Uh, that's been the impressive part so far in this series. Uh, can the New York keep this up, or are they going to have to find a way uh, to to win maybe a one nothing game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's there's got to be at some point uh, an ability to to win a two to one or, or, th- or one to nothing type of game for the New York Rangers, and and that's going to really depend on Igor Shesterkin, right? Like, I I think that even though he allowed three goals in game number three, he faced over 50 shots. Like, he was busy, and he was incredibly good. Like, are you asking for even more out of Igor Shesterkin in that situation? Um, It it sucks to kind of say that you are, but the fact of the matter is you need him to be nearly perfect in order to beat a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has Andre Vasilevsky playing the way Andre Vasilevsky does. You have to outduel Andre Vasilevsky is what you have well, to do. And, and, that's, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, you know, I mentioned the fact that Shesterkin allowed three goals, but he faced 51 shots. Do I think that the Rangers' defense is going to be able to bottle up Tampa? Not particularly. So your, your last-ditch effort is going to be, can Igor Shesterkin shut him out? That's going to be the question as to whether or not they can win a one nothing game. You know they can find one goal, but... Is, is, is Shesterkin going to be able to preserve a 50-save shutout or a 40-save shutout? I don't know. We'll see. New York Rangers trying to take a 3-1 series lead. The Tampa Bay Lightning aiming for a 2-2 deadlock going to Game 5, which will return to Madison Square Garden in New York on the weekend. The longer this goes, it's better for the Colorado Avalanche. They will play Game 5 on Thursday, uh, Game 6 
on Saturday, and if necessary, Game 7 on Monday. And, uh, and uh, that means that you're not getting into a Stanley Cup final for a while. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you're pushing it back uh, a little bit, which benefits the Colorado Avalanche. Look, I don't know whether Nazem Kadri is going to be able to make it back or not. He's got a broken thumb. Yeah. And he had surgery. Uh, that's more than a two uh, two week uh, injury. Can he can he go out there? Can he can he grind through it? If you're up three nothing in the series, for sure. Uh, are there different things that that you might be able to do to protect Nazem Kadri? Probably, but Nazem Kadri is a center. He's taking those draws. Uh, you got a lot of torque on your hand. Like uh, Jack Eichel played with a broken thumb, but didn't need surgery. Yep. Uh, and yep. and uh, that was uh, a heroic uh, effort to get through and go out there and not miss a game uh, through that. Kadri uh, uh, had the actual surgery procedure. Uh, but the rest of them, uh, it, it makes a difference in goaltending. It makes a difference uh, in, in some of their uh, lineup decisions, whether or not they can get fully healthy. On goaltending, uh, does Darcy Kemper start game one of the Stanley Cup final? No-brainer? I think he should. Um, you know, it's it's hard because Pavel Francouz is undefeated in the playoffs so far. Yeah. So it's really it's really hard to to say that uh, you're you're not going to go back to that well. But I, I think the fact of the matter is, you have a lot of time off. There's a big break in between games. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to go to Darcy Kemper, and if he looks shaky or rusty or whatever the case may be, you you know you've got Pavel Francouz waiting there in the wings and you have confidence in his ability to win a couple of games here for you. The backup turn starter was a little shaky yesterday. That might make it a little easier for Jared Bednar uh, in a week or a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't look great, but you know, you had to expect that there was going to be a strong push from the the Edmonton Oilers and they you know, they played, they emptied the tank. And that's that's what we were talking about prior to game number four. Like, we wanted to see Edmonton throw caution to the wind and absolutely empty the tank. They did. It, it's surprising that Francois didn't look particularly good in that game. But, you know, the fact of the matter is he was able to get one more save than Mike Smith was, and he was able to find a way to win. What was the final ice time total for Connor McDavid, <laughs> who was up near 10 minutes after the first? Yeah, I I I'll double check it, but if I'm not much mistaken, it was 26 minutes mm. and 59 seconds. And it went to overtime. Mm-hmm. So that uh yeah. that's a little bit below what we anticipated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one second away from 27 minutes for Connor yeah. McDavid and the game did go to overtime. So I I was I was a little bit bummed about that to be honest with you cuz I I was checking his ice time uh, pretty regularly yesterday. I, I was thinking 28, 29 minutes is where he needed to be in order for the Oilers to win. And when I saw just a shade under 27 minutes, I was pretty disappointed, to be honest. A uh, uh, guy that I got to know when he played in Winnipeg, Dave Manson. Oh, what a beauty he is. Uh, big, burly, hard-hitting defenseman. And he could just end your night uh, with uh, with a hit. Uh, he's the uh, promoted assistant coach of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, running the blue line. And his son, Josh, plays for uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, what a moment last night when they met in the handshake line and interacted. Now, if, for those that watched and were, like, welling up because it was such a cool family moment... Uh, and there might be some that 
should have been more emotion there. That was a lot for Dave. Dave doesn't show a lot of emotion. <laughs> uh, so so a little hug and, and a handshake uh, was, was, mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Josh Manson was a very influential part of this series, more so than uh, we probably were thinking going in with all the other names. For me, like, a couple of goals for Josh Manson was unexpected. Like, you, you expected him to be a pain in the butt to play against. Yep. You expected him to be the physical presence and the sandpaper that he was brought in to be for the Colorado Avalanche to be a little bit tougher to play against. But, you know, the, the ability to put the puck in the back of the net for Josh Manson in that, in that series against the Edmonton Oilers, like, that has been a pleasant surprise for the Colorado Avalanche, and, and you know he has been a big key to the success of the Avalanche and why they are going to the Stanley Cup Final. Chapman, uh, get in here uh, because I want to ask you and Ryan a very important question. When we mm-hmm. teed up the Western Conference Final as they played for the uh, Campbell Bowl, uh, emblematic of the Western Conference uh, title holder and representing the West in the Stanley Cup Championship Series, we were just drooling about Connor McDavid playing Nathan McKinnon. We had uh, Leon Dreisaitl, uh going up uh, uh, against the likes of uh, Nazem Kadri, uh, Evander Kane in the mix, Bo Byram, uh, uh, Kale McCarr, and like it was the, Evan Bouchard. The, the goaltending was uh, was a fascinating story. We couldn't wait for this to go deep and the ebbs and flows of the series. Well, there was only ebbs. Flows took the, the series off. Where did we go wrong in sizing up a series and, and predicting a very competitive set, which ended up being a sweep? Well, I, I, I think part of it went, went wrong in, in game three when you have a Vander Kane losing his cool and, and taking a really bad penalty. And, and I think it, you know, I'm with Ryan when he says the, that it kind of took the Oilers out of that game and it probably cost them the game. You know, I, I think if they win game three. Yeah, it's, it's like it, Tampa, right? It, yeah, it, it's a totally different series. I mean, th- that was the game they had to win. They they blew it for a multitude of reasons. And it's disappointing because Connor McDavid ended the playoffs with 33 points in 16 games. How many more points does he get if this Series goes another two or three games. Well, it averages two points a game, so if it goes another three games, he gets another six, so he gets to 39. Yeah, but maybe he has that magical game like Kale McCarr had last night where he gets five. <laughs> yeah. I have a good answer for you. What is it? Where did we go, where did we go wrong? <clears throat> oh, I know. We, I know where you're going. <laughs> we underrated Kale McCarr's ability to take a series over we underrated his ability to be better than Connor McDavid. We underrated his ability to play defense and also produce offensively. We underrated his ability to have a, a transcendent game, the game of his life. And then we overrated Mike Smith. Bluntly, we thought that Mike Smith would be able to rebound. We thought Mike Smith would be able to be the guy that was able to navigate the first two rounds of the playoffs. We thought Mike Smith was going to be able to kind of shut things down the way that he did against the LA Kings when it needed to happen. We thought Mike Smith was going to be able to find a way to be steady like he was against the Calgary Flames. And yet, every time we buy into Mike Smith being more than what Mike Smith is, Mike Smith reminds us exactly 
what he is. I think it had more to do with Colorado, quite honestly, than, than Mike Smith, just because there was so much speed coming down the ice. The Nathan McKinnon goal yesterday, that's that's really hard to play when he's coming so fast but changes the angle uh, significantly as he gets closer to the goal. And, yeah, it looks like a bad goal, and it's one that Mike Smith wants to be able to make uh, or get closer to making a save on. But still, like, Nathan McKinnon is flying up the ice. And uh, I was surprised that Edmonton didn't have a better answer for Colorado's speed uh, in transition, uh, given that they got to the third round and, and were obviously playing well. Strategically, I think Edmonton fell a little bit short on that front. Are there like, any- compared to compared to what we saw uh, Pete DeBoer in in his tactics against mm-hmm. uh, the the Colorado Avalanche with Vegas, uh, much different story in in eliminating or limiting uh, the likes of McCarr or McKinnon. Do we do we well, add I mean, add anything to to the idea that maybe uh, Leon Draisaitl was not at his healthiest? Oh, for sure. During, during this, I mean, yeah, oh, wasn't, wasn't even close. Yeah. So how much you know? Darnell if, if, Nurse wasn't either. Yeah. So yeah. if they have a healthy Darnell Nurse and Leon Draisaitl, maybe the series is a bit different. But I think at the end of the day, Colorado was was a superior team, and I think yeah, the Kale McCarr factor, he he was a bit of. I don't want to say a non-factor in the St. Louis series, but not as much of a factor as he was in this series. And and I think he elevated this series, and that's that's a major difference. I mean, I think we we kind of undervalue how good of a defensive player he is as well because we're so focused on the offense. But he's got it all. He's he's a total package. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned the St. Louis series because he needed others to win that series for him. He didn't he didn't produce nearly as much as he did in the first round or the third round. But they got him through that and it set up for a, a borderline historic four game sweep yeah. of the Edmonton Oilers. Now uh you, like Florida Florida didn't get that. They all went uh, quiet at the same time against Tampa. Nobody nobody stepped up and got Huberto through that series. Or uh the the likes of uh, the Ekblad uh, through that series. No, nobody got them through that, but but Makar did, and now he's reaping the benefits and paying back his teammates for for that second round series. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think that it, it's natural to have you know really good series. It's natural to have some some subpar games, and you know, for Kale Makar, it was a, a tough sled. In the second round, and I think that you got to give the St. Louis Blues a lot of credit. They are a, a a heavier, more physical team, and they're going to make life very difficult on Kale McCarr, especially when he's trying to break pucks out of his own zone. But, you know, you talk about the Edmonton Oilers maybe being overwhelmed by the speed of the Colorado Avalanche. You make the argument, and it probably stands, that Colorado is the fastest team that they have played against yeah. in the playoffs so far, and the Avalanche blitzed them. They, they they had no trouble getting out of their own zone, really. But you know that and, going in, like, well, yeah. But come I mean, up like, with it's the, one uh, thing. It's it's one thing to know a team is going to be fast. It's another it's another thing altogether to try to stop them. And and like to me, it's the Avalanche's ability to have multiple players that can burn you with individual speed. It's Kale McCarr that can burn you. It's Nathan McKinnon that can burn you. Miko Rantanen was an absolute beast in game number three and game number four. His speed can burn you. Like This is a team that has so many individual players that can make you look foolish, and then when they're playing at the level that they are as a team, they're even faster. 
I I don't know that the the Oilers were ever going to find the well, the, the the answer because they were banged up. I just compare it to Vegas uh, last year, losing the first <clears> two. And then running the table the rest of the way, and we saw that uh, when Vegas was short staffed this year, that the, that they limited Colorado and played some competitive games despite being uh, really uh, lopsided rosters uh, to to go uh, into those games. So uh, Edmonton's got uh, some choices to make. Do you think Evander Kane is back in Edmonton? Um. Yeah, I I mean I like, I talked to some I people yesterday is. who were. Very quick to tell me. See, I told you. I told you. Yeah, well, it couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't stay on the right side of it, and that is going to cost him big time in the free agent market. I don't know whether that's the case, but there's more people. Like it didn't do anything to put aside any concerns for him, despite the incredible totals that he that he put up when it came to goal scoring. I think there's a chance he's back because I read some of the comments that he made today and he was pretty clear in, in saying that Edmonton was the best organization that he's ever played for. Now, obviously, that could also be a, hey, please resign me because... <laughs> no, that's a shot. He's taking a shot well, at, at Winnipeg yeah, that's, and Buffalo. And San Jose. That's, San Jose. I, I, that's, I, that's yeah. a shot. I, I, I get that, but, but he's also buttering up the Edmonton Oilers to hopefully well, give him a, a no, big contract. It, it's it's him not being able to help himself. Listen, I think that if like if I'm Connor McDavid, I want Evander Kane back, right? Because Evander Kane works with the Edmonton Oilers. He works with Connor McDavid. Like that has been a one-two punch that you can rely on more or less and get some some appreciable success. And it also al- allows you to play McDavid and Dreisaitl on separate lines, and it gives you a bit more balance. So if I'm Connor McDavid and I'm looking at this Oilers team, how do we get better? How do we maintain what we did this year? I think it starts with signing Evander Kane because it worked. It worked. And when you have players like Connor McDavid, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to play with a guy like Connor who's faster than everybody else and thinks the game at a higher level than anybody else. So when you find a combination that works, I think you've got to do your best to keep that around. Now, it should also behoove, or it would behoove, Evander Kane to play with Connor McDavid because you're not going to get a better line mate anywhere else. You're just not. It's not going to happen. Um, Again, I I stand by it. I, I think that regardless of if it's in Edmonton, Evander Kane will get paid. If he's in Edmonton, maybe he's going to get paid a little bit less because he was uh, he was suspended for Game Four. But the fact of the matter is that is the best spot for Evander Kane, and that is the best fit for the Edmonton Oilers. Interesting. I'm not sure there's enough money, and I don't think Evander's giving a hometown discount. But no, uh, he's probably got a lot of money that he's that he's lost. That he yeah. that he wants to make up, for, assuming that that they he, rule in San Jose's favor. He now, lost a yeah, lot of money. He's, he's got the uh, the uh, case against the San Jose Sharks for avoiding his contract. Uh, so we'll see whether uh, that uh, comes to fruition in in favor of Evander Kane. Uh, that makes it more likely. Uh, the other side of it is goaltending. Uh, you you've got Mike Smith back for another year. Miko Koskinen is an unrestricted free agent. <clears throat> that is the hot button topic that that's the one that that lights up our show in edmonton and and gets all the callers yeah 
I don't know whether there's a solution out there for the Edmonton Oilers. There's free agents. Uh, there's there's guys that uh, Billy Husso, uh You can go down uh, Jack Campbell. Uh, you can go down that path. Uh, uh, Mark Andre Fleur. Like there's there's guys. But uh, whether you can convince them to go there uh, or give them enough money to go there because you're you're strapped a little bit, that'll that from a competitive standpoint, that's the biggest uh, issue I have. With all due respect to Evander Kane, I mean, why 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 even give Mike Smith the second year? Like I, I don't understand that. But, but that's I water imagine, under the bridge. I I get it. I do, but now you're in a position where you're kind of hoping that he retires, right? But I don't think he's going to. I think Mike Smith will be back, and it'll be Mike Smith in tandem with somebody. I don't know who that somebody's going to be, but whoever it is needs to take the reins from Mike Smith come playoff time, or this is going to be the same scenario for the Edmonton Oilers as it's been over the last couple of seasons. Well, well, Darren mentioned some of the goalies out there. I mean, if you sign, hypothetically, Marc-Andre Fleury, then Mike Smith is your backup, and, and I don't really think that's too big of an issue there. But the question then becomes, how much are you going to have to spend on that goalie, and will that Chapman, prevent that's you... that's not an issue until Father Time decides that he doesn't like what's going on. Like, I... I, I... I love Marc-Andre Fleury, but you're talking about signing a 37-year-old goaltender to complement your 41-year-old goaltender. That's another option. Up. He, he's, he's, yeah. I think he's in his, his mid-20s, so I mean that, that would alleviate father time. Well, yeah, but you, you, you said Fleury specifically. That's why I'm saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if, if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, as much as Marc-Andre Fleury is probably the biggest name and the best name out there, I don't know that I'm going down that that well if if Mike Smith is my backup. I, I, I there's something about that age in that tandem that worries me for an eighty two game season. I just like listening to you guys. <laughs> you guys argue over a combined age of seventy. <laughs> Two goal I don't really yeah. think it's an argument. Here in today's <laughs> NHL. Yeah. <laughs> 75, Darren. Come on. That's uh, that's absolutely uh, wild. Uh, does uh, does one team, the Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning, have a better shot uh, against the Colorado Avalanche? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Tampa, right? Like, huh. this is a team that's won the last two Stanley Cups. Like, I, I think that they they know how to win. They've They've beaten – really good teams uh, in in winning those two Stanley Cups. So to me, uh, you, you you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they're able to do, um they're a team that can shut fast teams down. They they can and they've looked and they've been exposed at times against the Rangers because of the Rangers speed, but Tampa has been taking it to the Rangers to start this game number 4 and they 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 seem to have a calibration period where they can deal with what your your best is, and then they can counter it. So to me, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I I, I just don't think the Rangers are quite at the level of, yeah. of the Avalanche. I just don't know. I like their team a lot, but I don't know if they're quite ready to make that big of a jump. I mean, beating Tampa would, would certainly be really, really impressive, but to have to beat Tampa and Colorado back-to-back, yeah. I, I, I just don't know if they're capable. You'd earn it, that's for sure. Uh, it's funny. I think Tampa's the favorite if they win the East. And I think Colorado's the favorite if the Rangers win yeah. the East. It there doesn't really make sense. Like it, it goes back and forth. Even though Colorado beats Tampa, uh, you think that that would get them some stock. But um, wow, uh, you guys, uh, 
small town guys. Uh, you guys have lived around the, the world. Uh, big city versus small town. There's that uh, debate. I'm going to give you a, a little uh, little shout out to the small town influence uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs as we continue. Plus some injury news regarding goaltenders and a big signing uh, for the Dallas Stars. So we've got that coming up in one-timers presented by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee in just a little bit on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. We have some uh, goalie news to tell you about in just a little bit. Uh, one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. Paul Powell Law, more lawyer, less fee. Dallas Stars, though, have reached a one-year extension with Denis Gurionov. It's uh, a great birthday present for the 25-year-old. It'll carry a salary of $2.9 billion, million, million, million dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. It uh, would have been Guriano's qualifying offer uh, this summer, avoids arbitration, and uh, makes things uh, a lot better uh, for Guriano and the Dallas Stars going this summer. He was a 20-goal scorer in 2020, and still posted, he scored a dozen last year in that shortened mm-hmm. season. Uh, only 11. So he's going the wrong way. They're hoping that yep. he can get back and maybe the, the coaching change uh, will help that. But Gurionov, uh, if you're if you're averaging about 15, 13 goals and you make $3 million, that's pretty good. Yeah, not bad um, for, for Gurionov. And now I, I think you're, you're right. It's just about trying to find a combination that works for him to get him closer to that 20-goal mark than the – 11 and 12 that he's been at the last couple of seasons. Uh, Jack Roslovic also uh, signed on. So uh, there's a a couple of uh, different signings uh, for the Dallas Stars. They have done all that business with a couple of RFAs that are not arbitration eligible. So they got to sign these guys. You can't go uh, to ARB and and argue, although I'm not sure you really want to with these two. Uh, but they've got the restricted free agents in Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger. That's also called the franchise. Sure. Between yeah, those I mean, two. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, like Jake Ottinger, right? You, you, you have to you have to look at what he did in the playoffs, and you have to determine whether or not you think that that's repeatable, determine whether or not you think that's what the goaltender is going to be for you. And then you've got to put your money where your mouth is. Like, to me, Jake Ottinger is the future of Dallas Stars goaltending. And if that's the case, you want to pay him as such. With Jason Robertson, you're talking about a 40-goal scorer in a league where it's incredibly hard to score goals for a team that, frankly, uh, doesn't know how to score goals. So, uh, again, you have to pay him and pay him well. Uh, That would be a weird and uncomfortable arbitration hearing with Jake Ottinger. Because the team's going to argue as much as they can <laughs> to keep the contract down, which they do. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is argue that the, the playoffs were uh, 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 a little bit of an aberration compared to the regular season. He was good during the regular season. But uh, yeah. that the, the, the playoffs were at another level. Uh, just not, uh, it's just so awkward uh, anytime uh, you get into that situation. Colorado Avalanche sweep the Edmonton Oilers, and they did it despite getting uh, short staffed. Every single game, it seemed. Uh, Samuel Gerrard out uh, for the playoffs. Nazem Kadri 
has the broken thumb that requires surgery. I don't know whether he's going to be able to come back in the Stanley Cup final, no matter how much time they have off. And now Andrew Cogliano, uh, I don't know whether you heard, he uh, left last night's game uh, midway through. Uh, and it's a, it's a similar situation to Kadri, which may require some surgery. And so yeah. they're getting a, a little bit lighter with not a great chance from the sounds of it to get uh, three regular players uh, back for the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Cogliano blocked a shot with his hand, so obviously you, you kind of understand the severity of the injury. He wasn't able to come back, didn't take another shift the rest of the game, so that's not good. But I think what you're seeing with, with Colorado is just inability to plug in guys and get the same results. Like This is a very, very deep team, and it's deep due in part to the deals that Joe Sackick made at the trade deadline, bringing in Arturi Lekkinen, bringing in uh, Josh Manson, have been very big, incredibly impactful deals that Joe Sackick made at the trade deadline to try to bolster this team. And Nico Sturm, uh, who is acquired, yes. probably goes back in. The depth of the Avalanche, JT Comfer, like, wow. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. he, he's right up there with influential people on the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, and some uh, injury news, we had... Uh, our good friend Zach Whitecloud on in hour number one. If you want to listen to that interview, uh, check out the podcast. I uh, go back and uh, and get a little bit of uh, Zach's experience at the World Championship. Uh, we get into saunas uh, and the hot and the cold uh, part of it and uh, a whole bunch of things. So a fascinating uh, conversation, fun conversation with, uh, with Zach Whitecloud, who's back from the World Hockey Championship where he won a, a silver medal. His goaltender in that uh, silver medal run uh, was Logan Thompson at the start and then Chris Dreger of the Seattle Kraken at the end. Dreger tore his right ACL and underwent surgery as a result. The Seattle Kraken say that it was successful, which is great, but recovery Good. and rehab from this ACL, it, it used to be a year now it's still really a long time. Nine months for Dreger, early yeah. in 2023 before he's going to be back. So uh, that's a, a team that already was battling some some goaltending questions. Uh, has more. Yeah, uh, it's it's not ideal for the Seattle Kraken, but you know it, it, it can all be made whole if Philip Grubauer kind of recaptures his form from the 2021 season in which he was very, very good for the Colorado Avalanche, a Vesna Trophy finalist. If Grubauer can get back to that level, then I think it gives you an opportunity to lean heavily on Philip Grubauer and uh, get a look at Joey Decord. There's a lot of uh, backup goalies that are available or support goaltenders mm -hmm. so who fit into that uh, that tier. Uh, Joey Decord That's was a good picked word. up from the... Uh, from the uh, expansion draft. He's part of the organization mm -hmm. already, and and that's what they are. Like uh, Casey DeSmith supported uh, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins and Tristan Jari. Mm -hmm. Dustin Tokarski played a lot more than we ever thought uh, with the Buffalo Sabers yep. because uh, they had so many injuries with theirs. Uh, David Riddick with the uh, Nashville Predators, and then Scott Wedgwood, uh, who was both New Jersey and Arizona, and uh, and had a couple big wins. So uh, they can they can backfill if they have to or feel like they they need to do you guys it's, like it's uh, an option on the table yeah uh do you guys like uh baseball love baseball okay 
Uh, I love playoff baseball. Um, I'm not a in the middle of the season, in the middle of 162 games on a Saturday viewing baseball. Oh, that's the best time to watch. I bring it up because Sunday Night Baseball, uh, our friends ESPN uh, and Sunday Night Baseball put a microphone in an earpiece, uh, it's called an IFB, uh, onto a player uh, during uh, the time that they're in the field. And I watched it the other night Mm -hmm. with with the Chicago Cubs. I thought, can we do that in hockey? And they, they talk to him. They talk to the athlete during during the 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 play, mm-hmm. or well, I mean, the, the ball is not in play all the time. But uh, it was it was fascinating uh, to to watch this and listen to this. Could you do it to a player in hockey? As I, long as I on don't the bench? know that you can be like you can do it to a player that's that's not on the ice. But if if you're on the ice and play is is happening. Uh, because the puck is always in play, because of the communication that you need to have with your teammates, I, I don't know that that's going to work in in hockey unless the, the the player you're talking to is on the bench. And then if they just got off of uh, the ice, they're probably not going to have the wind to talk to you anyway. Yeah. Nashville used to put a mic and an earpiece on their backup goalie every now and then, Chris Mason. Mm-hmm. And they would talk to him mm-hmm. during the game. Uh, I don't know why that stopped, actually. Because and he became one of their broadcasters. He's uh, currently a broadcaster with the team, and that was fun. That was cool, but uh, that that might be as close as, as we get to it uh, to a, a live athlete who's. I mean, we've got players or athletes, former athletes between the benches, but uh, that might be as close as we get. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Give it a little bit of a spin around the uh, the minds of Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman. Uh, those are one-timers presented by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Coming up next, catching up with Chapman on a Tuesday night at Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So earlier... In the show, we had Ashley Watkins from Salmon Ash, and we talked a little bit about Mariah Carey and All I Want for Christmas. And I can best say, Christmas song ever. It, it is. I hate that song like you would not believe. I. It's. It's the absolute. It's blood curdling. How how awful that song is. But Ryan tweeted out. This got me thinking. Everyone always asks about your top three or five songs. What about your bottom three or bottom five? What five songs do you hate the most? Well, I have a list of six. And all I want for Christmas is <laughs> on that. Yes. I, I get to make the rules. Is it number one? Well, there's it, it, it's up there. Six? That's yes. Like, okay. That's a lot of hatred. Well, to be fair, there's there's songs I dislike, but I can tolerate them. <clears throat> but these six, I, I absolutely, they're, they're atrocious. All I want for Christmas right, is on go. that list. Love Shack by the B-52s, one of the worst songs ever played or made. I can't stand it. If I'm at a wedding and that song comes on, I immediately go get a drink because it's so terrible. Tin Roof yes. Rustic. Hey There, Delilah by Plain White Tees, one of the absolute worst songs ever made. Oh, they, that's they, a little, now, that's a now harsh. I may get some some. It's some not old some, enough to be that bad. I may get some slack for this because it's played at Golden Knight games. However, they put a Golden Knights twist on it. I think Sweet Caroline is the most overplayed song at any sporting event, mm-hmm. and it's a Boston thing. Mm-hmm. Let Boston have it. It's their song. Let them do well, it. Ch- 
Chapman, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning goal song. It's terrible. Yeah. That yeah. alone should disqualify exactly. them from the playoffs. Yes, they should do better. There's so many great other songs they could use. That that one, I, I will say, because I'm a karaoke junkie and I love going to karaoke, drunk women getting up and doing I Will Survive has caused me to hate that song. It's the it's it's horrible when I hear it at a karaoke bar because nobody can sing it as good as Gloria Gaynor, and it's just a terrible song. And the last one, Darren, I will put this in here because you have already revoked my ability to visit the country of Canada. So I will add Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, one of the absolute oh, worst sacrilege. songs from the absolute most overrated movie can't stand Titanic, wow. can't stand that song. And the worst part is Celine Dion is absolutely amazing, and it sucks that that song is the one that defines her because it's a terrible, terrible song. I don't hate any of those songs. What did what did Celine Dion do to Nothing. you? Nothing. I think Celine Dion's amazing. I wish she came on the show. I wish she listened to the show. I love Celine Dion, but... It's a great it's song. Like, it's, like, it's like Love Shack defining the B-52s. She's not coming on now. There's so much better than the, than Love Shack. They had Private Idaho, Rock Lobster. It's a shame that Love Shack is the song that defines the B-52s because it's a terrible song. At least Plain White Tees never had another hit. So I don't have to listen anymore I, to their I stuff. I can't believe... I can't believe Rick Astley did not find his Rick way Rick Astley is list. amazing. The Rick Roll, come on! How wow. could you not love that? Never gonna give you up. <laughs> it's a great song. Scott's favorite song right now. Really? He's a, he, he's a oh, rock yeah. star. Yeah, that's a fantastic yeah. song. We turn it on. He Rick rolls. It's fantastic. <laughs> I just can't believe there's that much hatred. No, that's it for though. you to come up with six songs. I I I don't dis. I don't. I yeah. don't hate anything else. But if if Mariah Carey's Christmas song comes on, I I immediately. It's it's off. I know what I'm doing Thursday and Friday. Non-stop Mariah Carey power hours. Over again.